you know that verse that we that we chant at the beginning of the uh, Dharma talk is so intimidating to the speaker <laughs> you know <laughs> the Dharma incomparably profound um, but the truth is you know every moment is an opportunity for us to learn something. So we've been standing in the tea room, you know, waiting for our, for our tea, and the person in front of us is taking an impossibly long time. <laughs> there is the Dharma <laughs> waiting for you to, to learn something, you know. So it's not to elevate the speakers or the speaking, uh, but it's to remind us all the time we have the opportunity to wake up. You can't hear me. All right, well, we're going to fix that. There must be a tech in the house. Uh, that's working. Okay. And for those of you on YouTube, well, <laughs> Yeah, I think if you put uh, yeah a little bit towards that's good, and I'll try and talk to this mic. It's the best sand we have, unfortunately. What? It's the best sand we have, unfortunately. All right, it's good, it's fine. Um, and here we are after two years. Those of us who, you know, really love Sashin, love you know, love and hate uh, at the same time, uh, session, you know, we've been so deprived, <laughs> it feels like, over the last couple of years, and here we are. Uh, and many thanks to the team, Shuso, and the team that has come together to make, to, to allow us to do this. It, it's, it's wonderful. I, I appreciate it so much. It just feels like our, it allows our hearts our minds to, to open back up in a very special kind of way that is, uh, that comes out of Sashin. Um, and you know, one of the things I love about Sashin is it allows me to stop enough to recognize or to realize how I'm changing like that all the time. But I don't somehow see that when I'm like in Manhattan crossing the street or running this way and that on my errands. I don't see it as often as I do in Sashin because of the silence, for one thing, and the determination that I have and that you have to make this a meaningful time, right? To pay attention, pay even closer attention. So when I'm sitting here, you know, one minute, I'm like a babbling brook <laughs> of blah, blah, blahs. Uh, or I can be just quiet like a cloud hanging over in the sky. So that, that for me is one of the, the really great pleasures of Sashin, uh, to allow myself to change form. And it reminds me of uh, my favorite rant of Dogen's uh, in Uji at the very beginning. Uh, he, uh, Uji is his, his wonderfully deep philosophical text on being time. And uh, in the opening section, he, he, he just seems to be talking about our minds on Sashin. He says, 
An ancient Buddha said, for the time being, stand on the highest peak. That might be when you first walk in, bow to your cushion, sit down on the highest peak. For the time being, proceed along the bottom of the deepest ocean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For the time being, three heads and eight arms. And that's a fighting demon, right? I can relate to that. For the time being, an eight or 16 foot body of the Buddha. For the time being, a staff or a whisk. For the time being, a pillar or a lantern. For the time being, the children of Zhang and Li. For the time being, the earth and sky. Recognize that wonderful ability that our minds have of shifting perspective, you know. And I think a lot of times when we're in hell, it's when we can't shift out of this one way of being. So we might just be, for the time being, three heads and eight arms for an entire period of zazen, right? Um, but it, with the, the awareness that we can have of our ability to shift, how we can make the most out of this session, to really notice that. And uh, simply to experience ourselves as sitting in session here at Old Wisdom House. I could be a pillar or a lantern, an earth and the sky, but also just plain old Inkyo with a creaking body <laughs> sitting on her old cushion at Wisdom House. Also a Buddha. We all have that opportunity. We all have the opportunity to wake up. Wake up. And it may not be what we think it is, but to be awake. I guess that's why we're all here. So I'm encouraging you to be interested in each moment of your session. Be curious about each moment of your session. The moment to moment, be aware of the moment to moment flow of your mind, of your heart. Not just holding it, but allowing the flow. The flow of self, which continues to flow whether you know it or not. But if you like to surf, <laughs> you can enjoy the flow. So, how do we practice session? Simple awareness. Simply aware. Not pursuing the thought, nor blocking the thought. It is a very subtle. And you will discover it yourself. 
That's the beauty of it. I can give you some guidelines, but you will discover it yourself over the next few days. You know, uh, literally, say is the character for touch or contact, and shin is heart-mind. Say shin. Touch the heart-mind. So encourage us all to not only be respectful of our own process, but that of those around us. Sometimes when we become aware of our own uh, stress or difficulties, we might, you know, want to distract somebody else in order to to change our minds. Don't do that. Take care of everyone. It's not necessary to distract yourself, but you may. <laughs> but for goodness sakes, don't do it to anyone else around you. It's not necessary to make that little joke. So it's like the commitment we've made to the masks, you know. Nobody likes to wear a mask. Nobody really wants to do some tests. And still, practicing session, this seems to be the best way to do it. And so we do it for each other. You know, I remarked to someone, you know, if I, uh, like, in the building that I live in, uh, I live in a retired faculty space, uh, at NYU, so we, have, we wear masks in the elevators, uh, or at least I would say 70% of the people wear masks. And you kind of, when you run into someone who's not wearing a mask, you kind of feel like a fool, you know? So the only thing that's keeping me sane during this time is that I have decided that I'm not doing it for myself. I'm doing it for the other people in that elevator. I'm doing it for the other people in that store. You know, I'm doing it for the other people in this session. And it's not about me. It's not about my opinions and how many <laughs> vaxes I have or if I've encountered uh, the virus. It's simply about this is a way to caretake. And it opens in me a kind of wonderful quality uh, that I don't have an opportunity to do that often. I don't have an opportunity to take care of people that much. People I don't know, or people here. So that's what I consider this a teaching for myself, and I hope you can do that too. It may help your attitude a little. Uh, we have 90 days of this ongo. And I'll remind you that ango means peaceful dwelling. For me, it always means a kind of recommitment to living a life of practice. You know, it's easy uh, when you're living in a monastery or something, which we don't do. We're, uh, we're all uh, practitioners that live at home, most uh, live a lay life. And so these kinds of retreats 
are what wake us up and allow us to remember that when we're in the elevator or when we're, uh, when we're interacting with others, wherever we are, we're also practicing. And the last two ongos that we've practiced have been online. So I'm really grateful that we're able to come together in person. It's, it's terrific. And the text that uh, we're studying this time, uh, which uh, Ryotan Roshi uh, selected, uh, was written by Dogen's successor, uh, Koan Eijo. We call him the, or we, the Japanese Zen tradition calls him the second Zen patriarch uh, of Japan. Uh, and he lived in the, the mid-century, uh, mid parts of the 13th century. And the text is called Komyozo Zanmai, the practice of the treasury of luminosity. So if you haven't read it yet, you can pick up copies of it uh, at registration. I encourage you to read it like a couple of times a day. Listen to the phrases that are there. So in it, uh, Koan Ejo is using the metaphor of light, uh, of brilliance, of luminosity, uh, that you know does occasionally arise in our minds after practice, during practice. Uh, he's talking about a clarity that's available to us. I mean, actually, it's always available to us, but we don't always allow ourselves to be aware of it, this clarity, this brightness. He says, this display of luminosity must not just be something you experience in sitting, but in each step. This step, this step, are all the walking of luminosity. each step. Think of your life as it is. Each step, walking of luminosity. So, I see so many of you are very sleepy right now. I guess it's, you're not used to getting up at 4.45 or 5. Um, can you make this moment of sleepiness a moment of luminosity? It's available to me. What would that be like? What would that be like? Many years ago, many years ago, uh, here at Wisdom House, uh, when Sister Rosemary and Sister Joanne were here, uh, they directed the hospitality here. They ran the place, as it were. Uh, they were kind of like uh, social activist nuns of the old school, right? Uh, and they often came to our Dharma talks. They used to come and sit in the back. Uh, and one day after a Dharma talk, uh, Sister Joanne uh, shared with me a description uh, by Thomas Merton. 
and you may, many of you may be familiar with Thomas Merton, a brilliant writer and theologian uh, in the Catholic tradition, uh, a monk that lived uh, a lot of, t of his time in, in solitude. Uh, and she shared, me this, shared with me, I had been talking about Prajna, and she shared this, what I consider this uh, description of luminosity uh, that we're studying now. Uh, so he had been on a long, long solitary retreat. You know, he was a bit arrogant, you know, a brilliant man, a bit, bit arrogant about his, his spirituality. And uh, he, so he had to go into town for supplies uh, and, you know, mingle with the common folk. Uh, so he wrote this really well-known note. In Louisville, at the corner of Fourth and Walnut, in the center of the shopping district, I was suddenly overwhelmed with the realization that I loved all these people, that they were mine and I theirs, that we could not be alien to one another even though we were total strangers. It was like waking from a dream of separateness, of spurious self-isolation in a special world the world of renunciation and supposed holiness. The whole illusion of a separate holy existence is but a dream. I mean, really, it's important for us to see that. It's so beautiful, that specificity in Louisville at the corner of Fourth and Walnut. Anuttara Samyak Sambodhi, right there. There's beautiful, overwhelmed with the realization that I loved all those people, that they were mine and I theirs, and we could not be alien to one another, even though we were total strangers, like waking from a dream of separateness. You know, that is what we learn, ironically, in the, on these retreats. You know, we... I'm not going to talk to anybody, I keep my eyes down. And somehow that quiet allows us to see that in, the thing that Merton's talking about, that interconnection. And of course in Zen we call that prajna. That we are not just separate from, but not even, not just not separate, but also a function of one another vertically and horizontally. So Merton's specificity assures me that it could happen at the coffee machine in the humblest of places while fluffing our zafus, while walking kinhin, to wake from the dream of separateness And then we just see our ordinary life as prajna, knowing before knowing, true wisdom. And that realization of prajna is the radiant light that we're studying during this Ango period. That's what it's talking about, the radiant light, the light that wakes us up 
to our own mind, our own connection to all of life. Here is Merton again after his solitary retreat, standing on the busy street looking at the people walking aground. He said, then it was as if I suddenly saw the secret beauty of their hearts, the depths of their hearts were, where neither sin nor desire nor self-knowledge can reach, the core of their reality, the person that each one is in God's eyes. If only they could all see themselves as they really are. If only we could see each other that way all the time. There would be no war, no more hatred, no more cruelty, no more greed. I suppose the big problem would be that we would fall down and worship each other. <laughs> what a thought, huh? If they could all all see themselves as they really are, if we only we could see each other that way all the time. So, if you have a, a traffic issue on your way back home, maybe just try and remember that for a moment. Huh? Someone shouting at you because you're wearing a mask or because you're not wearing a mask, either way. It just breaks my heart, this does. And this is how I understand a bodhisattva. I think Thomas Merton was a great bodhisattva. He saw something. Who uses, as bodhisattva uses skillful means to bring self and others into insight. So that's what we're all doing, sitting next to one another here. You know, sometimes if you're sitting next to somebody who's very sleepy and kind of, you know, I can remember many years sitting next to someone. I seemed to always sit next to him. <laughs> and he was very sleepy. So it made me, you know, kind of want a little extra to encourage him to sit, to wake up. So also this study text that we have can also be seen as uh, actually a commentary on a text by Dogen. That's what it is. Uh, it's, a, it's a commentary on fascicle 37 of Dogen's called Radiant Light or Komyo. And in that piece, uh, Dogen recalls the time when Chinese Zen master Yunmen said, each and every person embodies this radiant light. If you try to see it, it's totally invisible. Then what is each and every person's radiant light? No one could answer. And then young man answered for them. So he's just asked them, what is, you know, what is each person's radiant light right here? And he answered for them, the monk's hall, the Buddha hall, the kitchen, and the monastery gate. So I would say the registration hall, the, <laughs> the tea room, and the lovely field in, uh, 
down below you might want to check out. So Dogen comments on what Yeoman says, and Dogen says, Yeoman did not say that each and every person's radiant light will appear later, has appeared in the past, or is appearing nearby. Clearly hear the words, each and every person embodies the radiant light. Assemble 100 or 1,000 yunmens and make them investigate together and speak in one voice. Dogen is just, <laughs> I mean, really? Each and every person embodies the radiant light is not yunmen's personal statement. Everyone's light takes itself up and makes this statement. Each and every person embodies the radiant light means all humanity embodies the radiant light. No one is left out. Each and every person embodies the radiant light means all humanity embodies the radiant light. So how could that be? Here at Wisdom House in 2022. on each of our zafus and chairs and benches. Are there blinking lights and steady lights, dark lights? Can you allow your own light to emerge? Can you find the room in your body and mind for the awareness of your own light and thus the awareness of everyone's light? As our study text says, this Zazen is the Buddha's own practice this, this sitting as awake awareness, which is transmitted from Buddha to Buddha. You are a child of the awakened ones, so sit calmly in your own seat. Don't sit like a hell dweller, a hungry ghost, or an animal, a human being, or jealous beings, or shining beings, those with only hearsay knowledge, or those who fabricate enlightenment experiences. Just practice this just sitting of shikantaza. Do not waste time. This is the practice place of ordinary mind. This is the complete practice of the treasury of luminosity. This is inconceivable freedom. So I love this section here uh, of what I just read where he says, don't sit like a hell dweller, a hungry ghost or animal, a human being or jealous beings or shining beings or with hearsay knowledge. Just let it all go and just sit is what he's saying. Just sit in the light and you will become aware of the light that's there. It's already there. Just sit.
This is freedom, according to our study text. So I have a simple capping phrase to, to end this talk. Uh, I see so many of you are very sleepy, and this is the first day of session, and this is what it's like. We're not used to getting up that early, or many of you aren't. And uh, so that's just what it is. It's not good or bad. It's just this is, this is the quality of this moment. And tomorrow morning it'll be different, and again and again throughout the session. So I think try and read this text every day and see if you can find uh, a teaching there for you for each moment. And here's my capping phrase. Sitting still, allowing the light to flicker, to dim, and to brighten, opening to each moment, ready to simply be. Can you do that? May it be so. Thank you.